All right, my friends, I want to take just a moment of your time right now to extend a special invitation. If you enjoy the Live Inspired podcast, what would you say about joining me once a month live? And what would you say if you could do this from the comfort of your own home, your car, or your office? It's not just about joining me, but also about joining hundreds of other like-minded, live-inspired community members. And my friends, that is what I'm extending to you today, the invitation to join us in the Live Inspired in-studio with John O'Leary community. It's where we come together once a month for this exclusive webcast. We take pause. We focus on what is most important to you. We overcome challenges that affect you, and we ensure that you have tools to live into your best life, both personally and professionally. Registration for in-studio only happens a couple times each year, and here's a secret. Come on, lean in toward the speaker. It's happening soon. It's coming this May. Don't miss the opportunity to hold your spot right now. I want you to be one of the very first to know when in-studio registration opens. So go right now and learn a little bit more about InStudio by joining me at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I'm going to say that again, johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I'd like you to go to that link right now, learn a little bit more about what InStudio really is, how it's going to elevate your life and why you ought to uh, learn when the waitlist becomes the opportunity to join us live and in living color. So one final time, johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I can't wait for you to join me there in this exclusive community. I'm looking forward to doing life together with you. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. You know, people are oftentimes asking me, where do we get the amazing guests that we get for this show? Well, sometimes they come from your recommendations, listeners. So if you have recommendations of people that inspire you, feel free to always send that my way at info at johnolearyinspires.com. That's info at johnolearyinspires.com. That's an awesome way for you to tell us who is inspiring you in the marketplace and we're listening. Also, Sometimes it's because I get to hear these people speak or I read their book or I love their music. So that's another great way we bring in the guest. But on three occasions, I have been so moved watching a television show that I just reach out to that individual. The very first time was watching a Netflix video titled Undefeated. It was the story about an unbelievable coach named Bill Courtney. Bill Courtney is an amazing guy and we got to hear his story firsthand on the Live Inspired podcast. The second time this happened while watching TV with the kids, we were watching a little show called Apollo 13, and they asked me, Daddy, when did those guys die? And I didn't know when they lived. I didn't know exactly when they died, so I Googled them and recognized they, they weren't dead. They were alive and well, one living in Chicago, and so I had the opportunity and really the honor of a lifetime interviewing Commander Jim Lavelle. That was awesome. And then the third guest is actually today's guest. 
He has been on Netflix. He has several incredible best-selling books. He's a remarkable guy. And the show that moved my wife and I so much that she said, John, you've got to get him on the show is called The Kindness Diaries. It's streaming on Netflix. It's a remarkable show. And we have with us today really the main character. His name is Leon Logothetis, and he is with us right now. Leon, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you very, very much for having me. Man, you're, you're following in some pretty hefty footsteps that precede you. So, uh, <laughs> Leon, for those who have not yet seen the Netflix shows or they've not yet read your books, give us a snapshot of what you're doing today professionally. Sure. So, um, I travel around the world relying entirely on the kindness of strangers. One of the first journeys I did was I took a vintage yellow motorbike and I drove it from Los Angeles all the way around the world back to Los Angeles. No money, no food, no gas, no place to stay, nothing, except relying on the kindness of people like you. Um, and at the end of each episode, I give an unsuspecting Good Samaritan a life-changing gift. That's the short version of my story. That That is the short version of the story. And <laughs> it's just enough, though, for people to be like, I am not going anywhere. So, uh, my friends, as Leon begins to give us the longer version of the story, my, my encouragement right now is to buckle up, put your moped helmet on, grab your journals, grab your open hearts and open minds, and get ready for the journey of a lifetime. It, it, it really is a remarkable journey you've been on, Leon, but that you take us on with you. So let, let's back into the journey. You are taking this call today from Los Angeles, but that's not originally home base. Where were you uh, originally born? Yeah, so I grew up in London. Uh, for most of my life, I was living in London. Talk about growing up in London. Yeah, so uh, London is, uh, there's, no, there's a lot of rain and there's a lot of tea. If you like tea, Go to London. Um, <laughs> so look, on the outside, uh, I, I had the, the perfect childhood in many ways. Um, uh, we were very secure financially and it, it was good. But on the inside, uh, things were very different. Uh, I felt very alone. I felt um, profoundly disconnected. Uh, at school, I, would, I was bullied. Uh, I would, it's interesting, I would walk from home to school and at home I felt alone and at school I felt alone and the only kind of respite I had in many ways was on my way to school right. and uh, I would feel very um, my, I would let my imagination run, run wild and I, I don't know I mean I'm, I'm sure there are, there are listeners who've, who've felt that who felt alone and felt disconnected and, and were bullied and it's, it's quite a, a devastating thing as a kid to kind of not have anyone or feel like you didn't have anyone to kind of connect with. And it was, it was, it was, it wasn't the childhood that when I have a kid, I would want them to have. Talk about home. I think the experience of being bullied at school is one that I and many others can relate to. What was your life like when you finally did get back home? I was a very sensitive, shy kid. And uh, I just felt out of place wherever I was. And uh, I think as a sensitive kid, it, it becomes difficult to kind of function, especially when school life is difficult and, uh, and home life at times is, is difficult too. Leon, I, I heard you interviewed and you, you shared the story of one individual who believed in you. I believe you were 18, uh, maybe 16, and it was a, a teacher who believed in you. And, and I, you suggested it was maybe one of the very first individuals who really believed in you to such a deg degree that you began to believe in yourself. 
it's a it's a beautiful story and she really changed my life um and uh, basically what happened was she was uh, let's call her an after school teacher um and uh, i would uh, go and see her um and she would always look at me and you know, she would always say to me i believe in you she would always treat me with tremendous kindness and i didn't you know i was a kid i was about 15 i didn't realize what she was doing i didn't realize that her kind that really it was her kindness that was helping but it was really quite profound and um for years afterwards when things were going bad I would always think to myself, well, her name was Mrs. Mann. I would always think to myself, well, Mrs. Mann believed in me. Mrs. Mann was, was kind to me. And what she did was she kind of just opened up my heart. I think that as human beings, we need at least one witness. We need at least one human being that sees us, you know, that truly, truly sees us, uh, our, our very being, our very essence. And that's what she did. Um, I didn't realize that for years, but that's what she did. But um, I don't think I would have been the man I am today. In fact, I know I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for her. That's the truth. That's the hard, cold truth. Um, and all it takes in many times, from many respects, is one human mm. being. Just one. Leon, have you had an opportunity to go back and, and see this teacher? I, I, I have. I've, I've thanked her. I dedicated my first book to her. She's in my latest book. Uh, absolutely 100%. I've told her, I've emailed her, I've talked to her. She knows very, very clearly what she did. I'm curious, when you when you shared her impact in your life, how did she respond? And then secondly, how did you feel about just telling her about what she did for you? Well, I felt magnificent because I wanted her to know that she had had an epic um an epic kind of uh, influence on me and that what she did mattered. Um, and she took it beautifully. I mean, she took it beautifully. She was like, you know, I've, I've, I've had relationships with many students and I don't speak to any of them except you. Um, and it was a special bond that we had. And it was, it was beautiful. It was, she's a, oh God, I want to do a, a podcast <laughs> with, her one, with her one day. And, do you know what? I actually give speeches and I always talk about her. Mm-hmm. And one day, one of my dreams is to have her in the audience and to get her to stand up and to, to share with her what it is that she did. She knows what she did because I've told her, but I want her to feel it in front of hundreds of people. Well, uh, you have my commitment that uh, I'm in. So when you are ready to deliver that message and share with her, I'm in the audience I will move mountains to ensure that she's in the audience and I get to hang out near her. That's the, that's the deal right now. Done. And I'm, I'm being completely serious about this. So uh, let, let's move forward from her into a professional journey. You become a successful stockbroker. Yeah, I was a broker in London. What was it that attracted you into that profession? And ultimately, what was it that moved you away from it? So really, I'd say what attracted to me was me to, to being a broker was really family pressure. Um, I just felt that that was my destiny. Well, that was what they wanted my destiny to be. Um, so I kept on, you know, going down that road. And I knew, I remember I, I, I finished college and I, was, and I was like, oh no, now I have to go and become a broker. Mm-hmm. What, am, what am I going to do? And I, I couldn't, I didn't have the strength or the courage or the bravery or whatever you want to put it to, to like not do it. So I ended up doing this broker, being a broker for a couple of years. And sitting behind a desk and really feeling again totally disconnected um 
uh, no human, no like sense of hum- humanity, no sense of human connection. And um, I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be my life. You know, again, on the outside, I had everything. You'd look at me and you'd be like, why are you complaining? You right. have everything you want. Right. But internally, I had nothing. Um, and it, it, it was, I, you know, I didn't, don't get me wrong, money's important, but what's more important is to connect, to have a sense of community, to, to kind of, you know, live your own life as opposed to living someone else's life. It was, it was it was tough walking every day into that into that office. Uh, it was not easy. And, and like I said, on the outside, people would look at me and say, "Well, you have everything. What's wrong with you? Why why are you complaining?" Uh, but they didn't they didn't get it. They didn't get that beyond success, which you know Western world sees as money, there's a far greater success, and that is to connect with your heart. And if you're not connecting with your heart, then I would wonder whether you are successful or not. Leanne, you're seeking to connect with your heart, and you watch a movie called The Motorcycle Diaries. For those who have not seen that movie, talk about what it was about that little show that moved you. Well, I mean, that was that was a life-changing moment for me. The Motorcycle Diaries is a romanticized version of Che Guevara traveling around South America relying on kindness. And it's interesting because one of the first scenes, he's speaking with his father, and his father wants him to stay in Buenos Aires, and he wants him to become a doctor. And Che in, in the film says, look, you know, this isn't my calling. I'm going on this journey. And he, and he leaves. And after I finished watching that movie, I was like, whoa, whoa, there's another way to live. Mm-hmm. There is another way to live. I don't have to sit behind this desk anymore. Um, I can go out and connect with people. I can go out and, and, and use my heart to, to live. I can go out and, and meet adventurous people and have adventures and here's what I'm going to do. So to cut a long story short, that is what I did. <laughs> and I quit and I quit my job. And sometimes people say to me, well, you know, how on earth did you quit your job? Uh, how did you find the courage to do that? And the truth is that it really wasn't about courage at that moment. It was about pain. Mm. Emo- emotionally, I was on the floor. I was up against a wall. And uh, pain pushed me to do something about the way I was living. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how I ended up uh, leaving. When you left, family, friends, those who had, in quotes, your best intentions in mind, I'm assuming they said, hey, Leon, that movie, uh, you know, it's fictional. It's not a real story. You may be making the greatest mistake of your life. What, what allowed you to continue forward toward what could be considered a potentially huge, massive mistake? You're quitting a great gig and you're about to set off on a, on a pretty reckless journey. The truth is that my heart knew the answers and I listened to them uh, and I didn't listen to what I was being told by others. They may have had my best intentions in, at, at heart, but I went with my heart. That was that simple. Talk about the actual process of laying out the journey. Well, uh, the first journey I actually did was not the kindness diaries. It was not the yellow motorbike. The first journey I did was I walked, uh, hitchhiked from Times Square to the yes. Hollywood sign. yes. I remember arriving with no five dollars a day. And I remember arriving at the at Times Square and thinking to myself, "Oh no, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, what have you done? This is really bad. How on earth are you going to get to Hollywood with basically no money?" And I had two choices at that moment. I was like, "Okay, are you going to quit and go back home to your job? No, nope, not going to happen. Or are you going to get to Hollywood?" 
I'm going to get to Hollywood. And that's exactly what happened. After like four or five hours of being at Times Square and not really having much luck, I ended up finding my way out to New Jersey. And, and you know, after a month, a month later, I was at the Hollywood sign. Let's kind of roll through some of the uh, the highlights and lowlights of that experience. For you, when was the first experience along that wild journey where you realized, man, this, this it's not going to be easy, but this is going to work? So I was in Times Square for maybe four or five hours, and no one would help me. And I ended up chatting with this guy. But this guy was so helpful. Right. He he helped me get out of Times Square. He took He got me to New Jersey. And from that moment on, it was like the wave just continued. And again, it was like one of the first moments where I connected with another human being with my heart. And, you know, he saw me and I saw him and I've never forgotten him. And uh, I'm sure, you know, maybe he's forgotten me, but I personally never forgotten him because it was that first moment where, whoa, this could actually work. Like, I could actually get to the Hollywood side. Right. One thing that amazed me about the journey is the unlikely heroes that show up. This is the first guy out of hundreds that is going to serve you and support you forward. You meet a guy in Pittsburgh, and I'll let you tell the story, but out of any individual likely to support you and augment your journey forward, the guy in Pittsburgh is the least among us, and he becomes first in line to support and serve. Talk about the story of Tony. Yeah, so in fact, I I was just texting Tony right now. But um, So the story of Tony is really quite a beautiful one. this was on uh, season one when I traveled from uh, LA all the, way, all the way around the world with the yellow motorbike. Um, and I would go up to people and ask them, can I stay in your house tonight? And they would look at me and they'd say, no, you can't. And that's fine. And some people said yes. So I ended up in Pittsburgh trying to find a place to stay. No one would help. I got up to this guy in the park, dressed relatively well. And I say to him, uh, can I stay in your house tonight? We talk a little bit. And he goes, look, I'm really sorry, but I'm homeless. So, you know, I feel a lot of shame. I've just asked a homeless man to stay in his house. I'm about to walk off. And he turns around and he says to me, you know what? If you want, you can stay with me tonight. I'll feed you. I'll protect you. And I will give you some clothes. Every part of my being is like, Leon, you are not staying on the streets of Pittsburgh. But there's that one little counterintuitive voice that says, Leon, my friend, you staying on the streets of Pittsburgh tonight. And that is exactly what happened. And he did all the things he said he would do. He protected me, he fed me, and he gave me some clothes. And more profoundly, he taught me two very, very life-changing lessons. One, true wealth is not in our wallets, but it's in our hearts. Two, kindness is free. If a homeless man with nothing, nothing, one bag the guy had that he hid in the bushes, can be kind, then why can't I? If a homeless man can be kind, then why can't you? So he changed everything for me that night. And part of your wild journey is not only relying on the kindness of men and women like Tony, but in surprisingly turning the tables on them afterwards and doing something generous back for them on occasion. Share with our listeners what you were able to do for Tony. Yeah, so the next morning, um, I say to Tony, uh, let's go for a ride in Kindness One, which is the motorbike, and it has a sidecar. So we go for a ride in Kindness (laughs) One. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, I tell him what, what I'm really, well, partly what I'm really doing, which is giving back. So 
I was able to put him up in an apartment and send him back to school. He always wanted to be a chef. And that's what I did. Um, and he always says to me, because I always talk to him, he says, Leon, you changed my life. And I always say the same thing. Tony, it is you who changed my life. And that's the truth. That's what he did. Why do you think it is, now that you've traveled the world repeatedly, relying on the, on the generosity, on the kindness of others, why do you think, first of all, are we less willing to extend our hearts and our hands to assist those around us? Many of us, we're a little bit more protective. That, that, that's the first question. And then the second is going to be, Leon, what is it that allows those of us who are more generous to extend that heart? So uh, help me understand why we don't and then how we can. So I think the reason why we don't is fear. You turn on the news when you wake up and you're bombarded with fear. You put on the radio and you're bombarded with fear. You pick up a magazine and you're bombarded with fear. So unless you go out into the world and actually experience it firsthand, the only story that you are told is one of fear. Whenever I give, whenever I'm like signing books, people who, who have traveled come up to me and say, wow, I, I've experienced this kind of kindness. Mm-hmm. People, people who, who have never traveled come up to me and say, oh my God, how on earth did you do this? So it's just about like turning off the news. I mean, it's simplistic, but turning off the news and simply uh, seeing the world for what it is and not for, for what people try and tell us it is. That's the first thing. The second thing, um, how do we open up our hearts more? I would say we do it moment by moment, moment by moment. Uh, people say to me, oh, I can't go around the world and get a motorbike. I can't go around the world and, uh, you know, and give up my job. I can't be kind. And I say, it's not about the yellow motorbike. It's not about traveling around the world. It's about showing up when you go to Starbucks and treating the barista with some dignity and some respect. It's about when someone cuts you off on the, on the freeway, not being mean to them. It's, it's about showing up every moment with as much kindness and as much love in your heart as possible. Does that mean that I expect or anyone should expect perfection? No, of course not. I mean, I'm not perfect. You know, believe it or not, there are times when I'm not kind because I'm a human and I make mistakes. Um, and when you find yourself off the wagon of kindness, get just get back on it. So that that's it. Moment to moment, how you show up in the world matters. You've been able to receive an awful lot from those around you. In giving back, though, what what has that meant to you? as you've experienced the gift of giving to people like Tony and countless others. Tell me how that moves you personally, Leon. Well, let me tell you, when you asked me that question, I got goosebumps because the answer goes back to Mrs. Mann. Mrs. Mann gave me so much. And I promised myself that I would do what she did for me to others. And that's what I try and do. And not perfectly. But she gave me kindness. She gave me hope. So I try my very best to give hope back to others because you just, like I said earlier, you need to just be seen by one human being. And if I see you, maybe I'm the first person that's ever seen you. Mm. Maybe not. It's such an important, powerful way to be, to give your presence to another human being, your presence, your love, your kindness. That is the greatest gift that you can give anybody. You know, and and saying that, it reminds me of you choosing $5 a day 
probably not even knowing exactly why you chose that amount. But looking back on it, you realize that it forced you to rely on others in a profound way, which forced you to see others and eventually, hopefully, for some of them to see you in return. T- talk about uh, talk about that. Yeah, 100%. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I didn't consciously know, but as I look back, it's clear. I grew up and for many years had, had, had a lot of money, but no love and no connection. So what did I do? I flipped it. And I had to now have no money, but rely on love and emotion and connection. That's why I did it. I didn't know what I was doing, but sometimes you've got to put yourself in a box in order to free yourself. Yeah, or put yourself way the heck outside of the box and and free yourself, which is what you've done, man, in mighty ways. For those who are listening right now, whether they're in a speech of yours, they're on my podcast, they're reading one of your books, and they're cynically crossing their arms thinking, man, this is this is craziness. This guy has no family. He's got no root system, apparently. He's got no mortgage. He doesn't have my student loans. This isn't practical for me. How do you respond to that? I would say that for thousands of years, people thought it was impractical for a man to land on the moon. <laughs> and men landed on the moon. So nothing is impractical. If you have a will, there is a way. If you want to find your heart, you can find it. I'm not saying it's easy, it's not. But nothing is impractical if you really, really want it. Leon, you did a lot of work on the outside of your life for the majority of your early life. And uh, the second chapter of your journey has been doing the hard work on the inside. What have you learned about yourself and and ultimately what does it mean for us? What I've learned is that uh, until we get connected to our hearts, we're not living. Until we raise our vibration and, and connect with, with, with nature and connect with our very humanity, we're not living. You, know, you can make millions and millions of dollars, uh, but if you're not truly coming from your heart, if you're not helping humanity, if you're not inspiring others, you're not living. You know, um, it's a whole different world when you come, when you go from your head to your heart. I know that's a cliche, but it's, mm-hmm. the, it's, the, it's the biggest, it's, the, it's a cliche with the most profound truth attached to it. When you live from your heart, when you live in that vib- vibration of nature, when you live in that vibration of, 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 of hope, it is, it is, you're like you're living a whole new world. You're living in a whole new world. You mentioned earlier, man, turn off the news and see the world for what it actually is. <laughs> You've done that in mighty ways on crazy epic journeys. Tell us from your own eyes what the world is. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, look, I think we live in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world where most of us are lost in our, in our mind, where most of us are, are lost in the fear-mongering that is, that is put into us daily. And the aim is to find your way from that space to the space of the heart. Mm-hmm. I think we live, in a flawed, we live in a flawed world, but that's, that's part of the reality of, of our existence. Um, and I just, I just hope that, that more people, you know, see beyond what we're told, see beyond what we are kind of made to believe is real and, and understand that 
reality comes from from living from the heart. I feel like I'm preaching now. But that's <laughs> kind, of, kind of what it is. I'm ready for the altar call, so I'm going to start making my way toward the altar right now. So keep, keep, <laughs> Leanne, just keep going, man. I'm coming up, and I'm, and I'm not by myself. <laughs> One of your favorite quotes, and I read this somewhere about you, was, uh, and I'll let you define who delivered it, but I'll tell you where it was shared. It was actually shared in Missouri, man. That's my backyard. That's my state. And it was by a statesman from the UK. And the quote is, never, ever, ever give up. Tell us who shared that quote and uh, tell me why it's one of your favorites. Well, it's uh, from the great man himself, Winston Churchill. It personifies how, in my opinion, we should live. Like, there are bad things that happen, and many of us just give up. And we're like, you know what? We can't do this. It's not possible. You know, maybe we pick up a drink. Maybe we eat too much or some kind of addiction, whatever it may be. Um, but the reality is that there are, from my personal perspective, there are many moments when I wanted to give up. Mm. Not just, in, not just in, in life, but in the show. I remember doing... Uh, I, I drove from Alaska to Argentina um, mm-hmm. and in the middle of winter, I remember uh, thinking to myself, what on earth are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself again? This is, you've got to stop doing this. And the voice that came back to me was, you're doing this because people are going to watch the show and people are going to be inspired by what you do. And it, it, it's going to... Make them want to go out and be kind themselves. And that was an example of never, never giving up. Keep on going. He also had a, a brilliant quote that said, um, when you find yourself walking through hell, <laughs> keep walking. And that was like, wow. You know, how many of us have suffered emotionally? How many of us have been in pain? How many of us have, have wanted to like go back to our old ways? And that one quote, when you find yourself walking through hell, keep walking. Because at the end, light. There's light. Trust me, there's light. Have you ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption? Mm-hmm. Okay, so at the end, when he walk, he crawls through 500 feet of the mm-hmm. sewer to, to get out, that's an example. When you find yourself walking through hell, keep walking. For those struggling right now, in the walk through life, whether that's professionally in their health with a crisis and a relationship with whatever it may be, Leon, we have listeners all over the world tuning in. G- give us a specific way that might encourage us to keep walking. Cause there's a lot yeah, of you, listeners right now yeah. in hell, man. There are a lot of folks that feel like they are in the sewage 500 feet away and they're not sure they can continue to crawl on. Share your pain. That is the most profound thing that I have, I have ever learned. Share your pain. Find someone and share your pain, whether it, whether it be a therapist, whether it be a friend, whether it be a, a wife, a husband, share your pain. If you don't share your pain, there's, there's very little hope. Share it. Why do you feel that 40% of us or so are dealing with anxiety and, and uh, kind of episodic depression that suicide can, keeps rising, that negativity keeps rising, that pessimism keeps rising, that the cynicism keeps rising. In the freest, wealthiest civilizations in the history of the world, why is the arc of the mindset pointing downward in some regards? Because we've forgotten that we're spiritual beings. We've forgotten that we need to lay spiritual roots. We've forgotten that we need to share our pain. 
And if we don't do that, then then clearly depression is going to hit us. Clearly we're going to not be functioning in our best self. So it's not just about making success of yourself when it comes to money, when it comes to status. That's fine. If you want to do that, no worries. But if you don't lay down spiritual roots, if you don't meditate, if you don't you know, embrace your, your own brilliance, then you're going to get depressed. That's just what's going to happen. When you go to those dark places, Leon, because again, many of us are there from time to time, what allows you to come back into the light personally? First of all, I share my pain. Yeah. So I tell people. Um, secondly, I don't give up. <laughs> but look, there were times, don't get me wrong. I mean, there were times when, you know, not literally, but maybe sometimes I'm on the floor in a heap, crying my eyes out, thinking to myself, oh my God, it's over. But I know that if I share my pain, I know that if I keep on going, it'll work itself out. And whilst I'm in it, I may think to myself, oh no, it's over. But I know that it's not. Just keep on going and share your pain. You know, so my, my wife and I were uh, in London about a year ago, and we went to the Winston Churchill Museum, which out of every museum in the world I've ever seen, it may be the most fascinating, actually, to think that they spent years, years under constant threat, never, ever, ever giving up in this little basement. It's, it's an unbelievable story, and it's proof of what you're saying. The power of never, ever, ever giving up. When you share your story, when you share your pain, when you share the gift of kindness and the receiving of it, it's one thing to share it in a book or a Netflix streaming series. However, when you get people coming back to you afterwards saying, hey, because of that show, Leon, I did this. What's your favorite story you've ever heard, whether it's an email, a letter, or a conversation you had with a viewer or a reader? Well, first of all, what a beautiful thing, eh? to get a message, and I get hundreds of them, to get a message from someone saying, thank you so much for doing this show. It changed my life, and this is how it changed it. So I've had people, like one of the, my favorite things is people said to me, this, this guy said to me that, um, you know, I was working in this desk job, and I decided after watching a show that I was going to quit my desk job and start traveling the world and start living. And I was like, wow, wow, hmm. unbelievable. Like what the what motorcycle diaries did for me, I did for I just did That's for awesome. you. I did, yeah, what Mrs. Man did for me, I just did for you. And what a beautiful thing! I mean, what would you want? What's next for you when you when you look back at the wild journeys you've experienced, and you you released a book just two days ago. So when you look back at the journeys that you've experienced, what's next for you going forward? Well, I'm going to be going from Scotland to Singapore. And that's the, the kind of story season three. Um, and, you know, on, on a more map, yeah, it's insane. I mean, like I'm just saying, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go from Scotland to Singapore. Fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm, uh, you know, ultimately, I just want to, as much as I can, do, do more of what Mrs. Man did, share it more, inspire people on, on a bigger level, and just touch lives as, as, as much as I can. And, and hopefully people will be inspired. So Scotland, Singapore, that's a pretty epic journey. Uh, all of the Americas, <laughs> that's fairly epic. North America, fairly epic. All these journeys you've been on, what, what has surprised you most about, about your fellow human beings? That ultimately, kindness runs through us all. Does that mean that we don't have flaws and we don't do bad things? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But the majority of the people I've met have a, have kindness running through them. 
And all you need to do to see that is to go out, take a leap of faith, open your heart, go with your intuition and start to live. <laughs> Lee, I, I whispered it. Now I'll yell it a little bit louder. Two days ago, the book came out, Go Be Kind. It was released on March 26th, so just two days ago. Why'd you write the book? What do you expect us, uh, as we race out to the bookstores right now to grab it, what do you expect us to get when we, uh, when we put that book back down? I wrote the book because many people would come up to me and say, oh, you know, I can't leave my job. I can't be kind. Uh, I can't do what you did. So this book is really a journal, enables people to go out into their world every day and moment by moment, be kind. Moment by moment, see how their actions can change people's lives and their lives. And one of the main tenets of the journal, really, is that kindness is a win-win. If you're kind, you win, and the person you're being kind to win. It's a win-win. So it's just really, I wrote it to inspire people to see that kindness is not some amazing thing that only a few people can do. Everyone can do it, and it's inside you. It, it, it lives in you. So, brother, I've been watching you journey across the states and around the world. And one of the questions I was thinking while watching you on Netflix was, I wonder what the dude likes to listen to. So if you had to assemble a little road trip cassette, taking you way back to the day, what are a few of the hits that you might have on repeat as you're, uh, as you're cruising around Scotland or Singapore or anywhere else in between? <laughs> what, are, what are you listening to? What's in your headset? Um, one of the songs would definitely be Yellow from Coldplay. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that song. Um, another one would be a, a song called Sky and Sand by Paul Kalkenbrenner, another song that I just listened to on repeat. Um, and another song would actually be from my football team, which is Liverpool Football Club. It's called You'll Never Walk Alone by oh. Jerry and the Pacemakers. I'm going to shift gears on you right now. We have seven questions that tether all of our guests together. We call them the Live Inspired Seven. So uh, get, get ready for these, but it's, it's, it's safe territory to journey. I promise you this, Leon. So question number one, what is the best book you've ever read? The Drama of the Gifted Child. Yeah, I've heard you say that before. Tell me about the drama of the gifted child. Basically, as a young man, I would you know, find myself doing things that I wasn't proud of. And I would, I would never understand why. I'm like, why am I doing this? What the hell is wrong with me? And I picked up this book and it explained why, as humans, we do what we do. And it made it started to make sense. It was like, whoa, I'm not this freak. I'm doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Mm. And it was very, very useful. What is one positive characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? Do you know what? I think that part of the reason why I am who I am is because I am a child. Mm. So the, the childhood kind of stuff that I had, I still have. Many of us lose our inner kid, but I haven't. So that's <laughs> where I answer that one. You know, I, I have a little boy at home and uh, he heard I was speaking in West Virginia. He, he's nine. And uh, his response was, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals that are playing in Pittsburgh the night before, can we drive there and then go to West Virginia? Like this, this is kind of almost reckless. It's an 11 hour drive and then four hours down to West Virginia, seven o'clock in the morning meeting. And with childlike wonder, 
he said, let's do this. And uh, even though I'm an old man at this point, I said yes. And it was the best journey of my 2018 summer because I said yes to a child. And I think for you, brother Leon, you have been saying yes to this inner child as you've journeyed across North America, around the world, and you're still saying yes to it. It's incredibly inspiring. So question 2B is, because this is just a, this is an addendum, if you will. Why do most of us say no to it? Why, when most of us hear the little one wanting to go to a baseball game in Pittsburgh, do we say no? Or when most of us think of buying a little motorbike and traveling around the world, we say, that's crazy. I'm not doing it. Because we've been indoctrinated to believe that we need to live a certain way. And we've lost our own magnificence. Well, as you look at your magnificence, and I know you're on the road quite a bit, but if you're home, wherever that home may be, caught fire, all living things are out and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item that matters to you. What's the one item you would grab? My passport. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would you want to be seated right next to? Nelson Mandela. What's your first question to Mr. Mandela? How did you spend 27 years in prison and then come out and be kind to the people that put you in there? <laughs> and as you then sit into his own uh, persona, what do you think his response back to you might be? Love is the only way. <laughs> What is the best advice that you have ever received, Leon? Hmm, I guess I would have to say it's from our friend Winston. Never, never, never <laughs> give up. Well, when you're back through, I'll show you the space specifically where he shared those profound words. I have a feeling when he, when he delivered the presentation, those who brought him overseas to speak in Missouri were disappointed. And then after years of reflection, they recognized the profound grandeur of, mm. of the truth. Five words uh, that we all need to be reminded of from time to time. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, good question. Um, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Were, were there moments where you honestly almost quit keep going? Where you just said, you know, the, the light isn't there anymore and the darkness is coming? 100%. What in those days before you were on uh, this wild, epic journey through life kept you going? Because many of our folks are there right now. What kept me going was hope, the hope that there really was a better future out there, the hope that there really was a better present, the hope that there was goodness in the world and that I would find it. Leon Logothetis, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? He came, he saw, and he loved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A little bit of a tweak from MacArthur's famous quote. He came, he saw, and he loved. Well done, my friend. You are exhibit A of never, ever, ever giving up. We are so grateful for your love, for your kindness, and for the journey you are encouraging the rest of us to take with you. Thank you very much for letting me come on the show, letting me share my heart with you. My friends, that is Leon Logothetis. He has an amazing new book out right now. You ought to be checking it out. If you haven't already picked it up, go check it out today. It's called Go Be Kind. It came out two days ago. He's also streaming on Netflix with The Kindness Diaries. So check that out and get ready to go on the epic journey of your life because it begins today. I am John O'Leary and today is your day. Go be kind and live inspired.
Well, guys, if you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did, don't miss my Monday motivation essay. I'll reflect on my main takeaway from today's discussion and send it directly to your inbox so that you can begin your week just right. I want you to go right now and sign up at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash Monday hyphen motivation. One more time, it's johnolearyinspires.com forward slash Monday hyphen motivation. I'll include a link in the show notes. See you there.